into the Word of God tonight. I know some of you are anxious to get, get home and get your greens plucked. <laughs> Is that what you do? You do pluck greens, snap, snap beans, peel your taters. I'm going to peel those sweet potatoes and all that stuff. Not just not tonight. Okay. Depend on, you know, Barry, you got to get started early, man. You already did because you're probably feeding the army thirds, aren't you? I, I know it. No, okay, all right. <clears throat> Let's open our Bibles to the book of Ezra, please. Ezra chapter 3. While you're looking for that, I just got to give another, another little commentary. Um, you know, we came in Sunday, I, you know, our windows weren't done. This was to come back today and finish the windows and they didn't show up. So I'm just going to put it out there. I'm not going to call a company's name, but their sign is in the grass. Their sign is in the grass that they've delayed. So now they're supposed to come tomorrow and do the outside and come Friday and do the inside. And, you know, and so I made sure we took pictures, good pictures. And so we, when, I, when I lodged my complaint, well, evidence, this, this is how y'all left us. Paying $35,000, that ain't no little bit of money. I mean, I know this is not the Mahaffey Theater and anything like that, but this is the house of God. And you may not respect it, but we have a reverence for the house of God. So I will be lodging my complaint and I'm gonna take back my recommendation. I, I, another church approached me about somebody to do their windows and I told them, oh yeah, that's a great company. I'm withdrawing my recommendation. Amen. They got to come finish though. So I won't complain to after they finish. Hey, I ain't no fool. <laughs> come finish the job, then I'm gonna tell you about yourself. <laughs> this is how we do it. Okay, Ezra chapter three. Are you there? <clears throat> and uh, we're gonna read verses eight through thirteen. Ezra three, verses eight through thirteen. If you have it, let's read it together. Ready? Read. Now in the second month of the second year of their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and the rest of their brethren, the priests and the Levites, and all those who had come out of the captivity to Jerusalem began work and appointed the Levites from 20 years old and above to oversee the work of the house of the Lord. Then Jeshua with his sons and brothers Cadmiel with his sons and the sons of Judah arose as one to oversee those working on the house of God. The sons of Hinnadad with their sons and their brethren, the Levites. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. For he is good, for his mercy endures forever toward Israel. Then all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the father's houses, old men who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes. Yet many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the sound was heard afar off. Verse 11 says, and they sang responsively, 
praising and giving thanks to the Lord. For he is good, for his mercy endures forever toward Israel. But all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Tonight for Thanksgiving, I want to talk on the subject, praising God in the process. Praising God in the process. Father God, tonight, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time of thanksgiving and praise. I pray, Father, each person who hears the word will be energized and invigorated, oh God, to, and reminded, oh God, how important it is for us to give you thanks and to praise you, Lord. And Lord, to always, Lord, show our gratitude as you are bringing us into that place that you've called us to be, Lord. And I pray that every person that hears that their lives will be changed through the word of God tonight, we pray in Jesus' name, so be it, amen and amen. All right, take your seats tonight. Praising God in the process. Praising God in the process. Just to jump right into this here, if you know anything about the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, uh, in, in the old, um, before the, 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 the canon of scripture, um, I don't want to use too, too, big of a, too deep of a word, before the, this Bible is laid out in, the way, in its present form, Ezra and Nehemiah was actually one book. Ezra and Nehemiah were contemporaries. In other words, they operated at the same time. And if you know this story, you read uh, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. You read um, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. You read Daniel. You read all these books like that. They are all uh, Haggai, Zechariah. Many of these books, although they're in different places in the Bible, they are happening around the same time frame. You got it? Some of them are in the books of history. Some of them are, are in the prophetic books. Prophetic books like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Haggai, Zechariah, they're speaking back to what we're reading here tonight. It's being carried out when we read Ezra and Nehemiah. If you know the story, the children of Israel, uh, the, the Jews in particular, were, you say the children of Israel are Jews. Well, the, the southern Jews, the southern people of the children of Israel were known as the Jews, the people of Judah. This is just a little quick Bible lesson for all you scholars in the room. Okay, so anyway, that, that, uh, maybe you don't want that. Okay, so the Jews, because of their sins, they were carried away into Babylonian captivity. You remember that? In fact, if you get Jeremiah 29 and verse 10, everybody knows Jeremiah 29 verse 11, right? For I know, I'm just checking, okay. Okay, but let's look at verse 10. Jeremiah 29 verse 10 says this. God says, for thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, they're going into captivity. God's telling them that they're going into captivity, okay? Jeremiah is already shut up in prison during his time. And he said, uh, I will visit you and perform my good word to you and cause you to return to this place, to that place that they had left, okay? So they weren't going to finish captivity in 50 years or 60 years or 69 years. It's going to be exactly seven years, 70 years. And once those 70 years were completed, they would now be free. God had already prophesied it to them, spoke it to them. And uh, Daniel read about it. You read the book of Daniel. Daniel talked about what Jeremiah wrote. Okay. So when you read the Bible, it's one cohesive book. You understand that? You all understand that? Oh, right. 
Okay, now, so what happened when they were released after 70 years, many of the Jews, not all of them returned to, to Jerusalem. Some of them, in, uh, they, they, in fact, they stayed in Babylon. You remember Daniel? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Those guys were raised up to leadership. They, they didn't go back. They were now leaders in Babylon. Esther and those, they didn't go back. She became the queen in the Persian Empire. Y'all said that in school, right? Okay, so many of them went back to Jerusalem. Y'all just stick with me. I'm just, we're going to get somewhere here. Okay, they were led back to Jerusalem by men like Nehemiah, men like Ezra, men like a couple of guys we just read about here, Zerubbabel, and also this guy, Jeshua, or we can also call him Joshua, okay? Now, when they went back, they had this awesome and daunting task of having to rebuild everything. Because when the Babylonians came in, they destroyed everything. The wall was broken down. The gates were all burned up. The temple was destroyed. The great, beautiful temple that Solomon had built was destroyed. The city was laid waste. It laid in ruins. And so these men came back. And if you study the history, they didn't all come back at one time. They came back in, in three waves. It's interesting. They were all released at the same time, but they didn't all leave at the same time. They went back for various reasons. All right, y'all hear this. For example, Nehemiah. Everybody know, know about Nehemiah? Nehemiah, when he was released, he went back. He was serving our, our exercises. He went back because he, he got caught news of the fact that he, and he was the last, the last pilgrimage back. He was the last one to go back. And he went back because he heard about that the walls were, were torn down. The, the uh, gates were burnt up. And so he goes back there. In fact, I want you to look, get this on the screen, please. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15. He went back with the purpose of rebuilding the wall because he understood that a wall was important for protection of a people. Because without any protection, they'd be susceptible to any other nation again coming in and wiping them out again. So it was upon his heart to go back and rebuild the wall. <laughs> Nehemiah 6 verse 15 says, so the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul in how many days? In 52 days. So they built this wall or rebuilt, we could say, the wall, restored all the gates in 52 days. And then I want you to turn over to Nehemiah 12 and see something here. Media, help me here so I can kind of speed up here. In Nehemiah 12, I want you to see that, see what happened. Verse 27, please. Nehemiah 12, 27 says, now watch this. Now at the dedication of the wall, they're going to dedicate a wall. Okay, all right, now watch. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgiving and singing, with cymbals and string instruments and harps. Verse 31, please. Verse 31, watch this. So I brought the leaders of Judah up on the wall and appointed two large thanksgiving choirs. Hey, Thanksgiving, we ought to give us a Thanksgiving choir. But this celebration is so big because uh, it's so big that they need two large Thanksgiving choirs. In fact, go to verse 38, please. Oh, no, 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 stay, stay there, stay there, verse 31, verse 31. It says, uh, one went to the right hand on the wall, 
towards the refuse gate. One, one choir, Thanksgiving choir, went one direction. Now look at verse 38, please. Verse 38. The other Thanksgiving choir went the opposite way. And Nehemiah says, and I was behind them with half of the people on the wall going past the tower of the ovens as far as the broad wall. Verse 43, please. Verse 43. Also that day, they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. Glory to God. The women and the children also rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. They rejoiced so greatly at the rebuilding of this wall so loudly with these two big Thanksgiving choirs and everybody else shouting and the women and the children, everybody praising God. Glory to God. Women and the children. I know Pastor Kim is going to point that out. The women and the children rejoicing. That the, that the rejoicing was heard afar off. Now I want you to take note here that they were rejoicing at the end. That the wall was finished and they rejoiced. Tonight I want to talk about though praising God in the process. <laughs> now, if we're working our way backwards from Nehemiah, who was the last wave, led the last wave of returnees, from sec the second wave was led by a man named Ezra. That's the one who wrote this book here. And in Ezra, Ezra, his job, what he saw, it, it made him uh, distraught. Because when he came back, he saw that these men, the people in general, but especially the men, you know, they were in Babylonian captivity because of their sins. Their big sin was idolatry. And the idolatry got them into all other kind of stuff. But what happened was when, when he got back here, the walls built. And when he get, I'm sorry, no, the wall's not built yet. The temple's built. When he gets back here, the men have gone and start marrying pagan wives. And he, he clicks. You know, you know, you understand what I mean? Click. He like, come on. We just spent 70 years in Babylon over this same mess. We even to go back to Babylon and here y'all going marrying all these, these foreign women. And you know what happened when you marry the foreign women? They get you now serving their gods. And when they get you serving their gods, you end up doing all kinds of other stuff because you're serving their gods all kind of unclean, unholy things. And that's how we got in this mess in the first place. So he comes back to, to, to rebuild, as Nehemiah rebuilt the wall, uh, before he does that, Ezra rebuilds the people. His job is to lead a revival. Ezra comes back, leads revival, and he gets all the men to repent and put their wives away. They had a mass divorce. Divorce, yeah. God said, you can't have them old pagan wives. You can't be unequally yoked together with some, some unbeliever. He said, get rid of them people. Now, I ain't telling nobody to go do that with your spouse. I'm telling you, I'm just telling you what happened in that time. He did. He, it was a mass divorce. Get rid of them. And, and, the, and the, I think the last verse of the, of the book of Ezra talks about the only problem was some of them had already had children. So now they got them mixed babies. Some got good hair, some got, you know, conkling, you know, cute eyes and all that kind of stuff. But they pagan, boy. 
Praise the Lord. Amen. So that, that was Ezra's job to lead them back in revival. But I want to deal tonight with the first wave, the first return. That was led by this man named Zerubbabel. You ever heard that name? So back in Ezra 3, Ezra 3, when this first group returned, you can look at their story starting from Ezra chapter 1. Uh, and chapter 2, it starts to name all the folk who returned. Uh, by their tribes and so forth. But in chapter 3, we start to see what happened. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. It says, And when the seventh month had come, the children of Israel were in the cities, the people gathered together as one man to Jerusalem. Then Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and his brethren, the priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and his brethren arose and built the altar of the God of Israel to burn, to offer burnt offerings on it as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Y'all got it so far? So what's, what did they build first? The altar. Verse three, though fear come upon them because of the people of those countries, the surrounding countries. Well, why did fear come upon them? Well, remember, there's no wall. There's no wall, okay? So fear came upon them because of the people of those countries. They set the altar on its bases, on its foundations, and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both the morning and evening burnt offerings. You still with me so far? They also kept the Feast of Tabernacles as it is written and offered the daily burnt offerings in the number required by ordinance for each day. Afterwards, they offered the regular burnt offering and those for new moons and for all the appointed feasts of the Lord that, that were consecrated and those of everyone who willingly offered a free will offering to the Lord. Verse six, from the first day of the seventh month, they begin to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, although the foundation of the temple of the Lord had not been laid. All right. So when this group comes back with, with uh, I'm just going to use Zerubbabel. He's the main character here. They, they move into the very first project they, that they're going to do is build an altar. Right. Yes, sir. Now, what's in his heart, what his calling is, is to build a temple. Come on, Come on sir. Okay. His calling, the mandate on his life, it's to rebuild the temple. Because the temple was the center of everything. Remember that same temple is the one that Solomon built when in 2 Chronicles 7, how, how uh, God, God had already told him, he said, if my people were called by my name, would humble themselves and pray. Y'all know that, that section. But it talks about when you, when you turn towards that temple. So the temple was a source. Even if they didn't have a wall, uh, the temple was a source of their protection. The temple was a source, uh, was a place where they met with God. The temple was the place where it became, uh, as it used to be, even in, in our community, the epicenter of our community. Everything happened and revolved around the temple. So they, they know the first thing when he comes back, the first thing that the, the exiles have to do when they come back is to rebuild this temple. That's the first order of business. But they can't rebuild a temple yet. 
But what they can do is build an altar. I want to encourage somebody tonight. You may not be able yet to build what God has put in your heart to build. You may not be able yet to do everything God has called you to do, but you have to start by doing what you can do. They didn't have the resources and supplies yet in their hands to build a temple, but they could build an altar. Because, because even, even, oh God, even in the temple there was going to be sacrificed, but we don't have enough for a big temple, but we can build this little altar. And we can get something started. Because of this altar, and remember the altar was not there to come, not to, not to come there for praying. I taught y'all that before. People like to teach the altars for praying. The altar's not for praying. The altar's always for sacrifice. We pray at the altar, but that's not what an altar is for. The altar, you see through, all through scripture, is a sacrifice. And that's exactly what they did. When they built this altar, they came and they brought sacrifices unto God. Notice what it says here in, in verse, verse uh, uh, 2. They built it to offer burnt offerings on it. They built this off the altar to offer burnt offerings on it. Not for prayer meeting. They built it to offer burnt offerings on it. Are you seeing that? Glory to God. Verse three, and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord. That's what they built it for and that's what they did. Morning and night, burnt offerings. Then verse four, they kept the Feast of Tabernacles. <laughs> that one just passed here a couple months ago. Glory to God. People, I don't, I don't have to keep that. You allow, you read in Book of Zechariah, even after Jesus comes, that'll be the one feast we're still keeping. If you don't keep any other feast, that, that's the one you ought to make sure you keep every year. Because we'll, after Jesus Christ comes, we'll still be keeping the Feast of Tabernacles. You read it in your Bible. So this is what they kept. First thing they got in there, they're going to keep this feast here. Watch verse 5. After this, afterwards they offered the regular burnt offering and those for new moons and all the appointed feasts of the Lord that were, that were consecrated and so on and so forth. And everyone who, who uh, willingly offered a free will offering to the Lord. So notice it's offering after offering after offering after offering after offering. Well, I thought they were going to build a temple. Yeah, but they don't have enough to build a temple. But they have enough to bring an offering. <laughs> Dr. Leroy Thompson wrote a book that says, uh, his title of his book says, You're Not Broke, You Have a Seed. Tell your neighbor, you're not broke. You have a seed. See, if you understand that, you may not have what you desire. But if you take what you have and convert it to a seed, your seed will produce that which you desire. Even the very thing that you're called to do, God will give you a seed to get you started. Boy, y'all didn't get excited about that. So here they are. And they're offering burnt offerings over and over and over again. Because, I want you to understand this here, their offerings were seeds for their future. Their offerings were seeds for their future. <laughs> they're offering and thanking God for bringing them back into their land. They're offering and thanking God. Thank you, Lord, for keeping your word. We were there 70 years. You told us we were coming out. We, we came out. So they're giving God thanksgiving offerings 
over and over and over again on this little, I'm calling it a little, but it was a big altar. But it wasn't the temple. They're, doing, they're bringing these offerings with joy. They're bringing these offerings with gladness. They're not bringing grudging offerings or out of necessity. They're bringing cheerful offerings. Because, it's, because God has one kept his word and they're believing God for something in their future. <laughs> Y'all don't, don't get upset about this here. I'm, I'm just, I'm just re- reading and showing you what they did here. Now, so they're bringing these offerings, right? Because, as I said, your offerings are seeds for your future. Your offerings, listen to this, go ahead of you and work out the details you're not even aware of. Boy, that's good right there. Your offerings go ahead of you and work out details that you're not even aware of. I'm keenly aware that some of the smoothness that I've enjoyed here in my latter days uh, is not because I'm smooth, it's because my offerings went ahead of me. My offerings beat me to the punch. You got to understand your offerings always, I'm not, I'm not, y'all please don't, some of y'all clam it up already. I'm not teaching on offerings, I'm about to get to something else. I'm just showing you, I'm just showing you their progression. Your offerings go ahead of you. God always sends an offering ahead of you. You remember Joseph? I got three yeses. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Joseph was a seed. He told his brothers, God sent me ahead of you to preserve a posterity. God always works that way. Jesus Christ was a seed. He went ahead of us to become the firstborn among many brethren. He always works on a seed. He always works on an offering. And what we don't understand many times is that when we give our offerings, God is taking, taking note of those offerings. In fact, turn to Psalm uh, number 20, please. Psalm number 20. God never forgets an offering. You might forget it, but God never forgets an offering. I mean, you know these people, they were giving offerings morning and night. Daily offerings. They didn't remember what offerings they gave. Look at Psalm 20. Psalm 20, verse 1. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. How's this going to happen now? May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. Verse 3. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice, Selah. I mean, sit back and think about that. The reason why I can expect God to answer me in the day of trouble, the reason I can expect his name to defend me, the reason why I can expect help from the sanctuary, the reason I can expect him to strengthen me out of Zion is because he remembers my offerings. He accepts my burnt sacrifice. So your giving is never in vain. Your offerings are never in vain. 
As a matter of fact, when you're moving, trying to move into something, in, uh, something greater in your life, what you want to always do is send an offering ahead of you. This is what they did. They, they couldn't build a temple yet, but they could build an altar. Okay, let me just give you the simple principle to let you off the hook. The simple principle I want to, I want to get you to understand here is you got to start where you are. You just got to, you got to start where you are. You, you got to do what you can do. Tell, tell your neighbor, you got to do what you can do. You may not be able to do what God told you to do yet, but you got to do what you can do now. And the, as you continue to do what God told you to do, he's going to give you the grace to do the things he told you to do. He's going to increase you more and more so you can begin to do the fullness of what he calls you to do. But until that time, you got to go ahead and do what you can do. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, I want to feed all of Haiti. Well, start out by feeding your next door neighbor. <laughs> when you go to the store and you're getting two for one, don't keep the two. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, if you, if, you, if you have aspirations of greatness, start at your current status. Because when you're doing that, you are beginning the process. Everybody say the process. See, your prosperity is a process. Your increase is a process. Your manifestation is a process. And God wants to help you get started in the process. You got this here. So they, they sold. They, they gave offerings. You got this? All right, go back to the book of, book of Ezra, please. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, just start right where you are. Thank you, Lord. I can't build, but I can give. When, when we, we, we knew for a long time, boy, we wanted to get windows in this place. We've been talking about windows for the last few years. And needing windows, and you know, we didn't have $35,000 to put windows in. We didn't have 20000 to put windows in. We didn't have 10000 to put windows in. With their days out of the house, their day, we didn't have 2000 to keep the lights on. I'm just, tell, I'm just being real with you. But the lights never, never went off. Padlock never came on the door. But when opportunity came, when, in fact, when, when uh, Faith Victory Church up in Frankfurt, when they were getting ready to start their, ironically, Ezra project to build phase two, well, I tell you what we can do. We don't have 35,000 for windows, but we got 5,000 to sow. Yeah, you better say that 5,000. No, no, no. The 5,000 ain't going to do us any good in the account. Because we can't buy windows for 5,000. But if we sow that, he remembers our offering. And so when it came time to buy, I'm just going to let y'all in on a little secret. When it came time to buy windows, we started our windows campaign. We didn't really need the money. We already had the money in the bank. That's why the window's already here. We, we ain't raised 35000 The campaign is just, just to give you a chance to get your house built. 
Get you a chance to get, to get your house fully furnished. Because when you saw whatever God is doing, he's going to bring that thing back to you in your life. And we didn't go to the bank and borrow a damn dime. We didn't borrow a damn dime from anybody. The money's in the bank. Now, I couldn't say that a few years back. But we could so. <laughs> just tell us this is how it works. This is how it works. This is how the process works. Glory to God. Some, some of y'all, I'm telling you, you're going somewhere, boy. I don't know which one of y'all it is, but somebody here, you're going somewhere. <laughs> now, all right, so now watch this now. Go back to Ezra 3 here. Because they built this altar, and that was good. But this was not their monumental project. This was not what they were going to go down in, in the history books for. Their job was to rebuild Solomon's temple. Their monumental project was to rebuild this temple that Solomon had built for billions. Remember, remember if you know them, how much money uh, David put toward this, this, the temple, how much money Solomon himself put toward the temple. It was billions of dollars that this temple uh, cost in today's money. And so they're coming back here uh, from slavery. Not as harsh a slavery as, as Egyptians, uh, the Egyptian slavery, but 70 years of exile, not in their own land. And they're going to build a temple? They're going to rebuild Solomon's temple having come out of 70 years of exile? How do you do that? How can you even in your mind fathom the ability to do something so monumental, something so big, after having spent 70 years in exile? What kind of nerve do you have to think you can come back to Jerusalem and build a temple? And yet, that's what the word of the Lord was. Well, they didn't have enough for the temple, but they could build an altar. And the altar now begins, their sacrifice begins now to provide resources. Watch, watch. Verse 7. Verse 7. Verse, let me start at verse 6. From the first day of the seventh month, they begin to offer burnt offerings to the Lord. Although, see, it, the, the Bible is, 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 is meaningful here. All of the foundations of the temple of the Lord had not been laid. They're already offering, and we don't have even a foundation of the temple. Not, not just don't have the temple, we don't even have a foundation. Verse 7. But watch, the offerings are causing some things to happen. They also gave money to the masons and the carpenters and food, drink, and oil to the people of Sidon and Tyre to bring cedar logs from Lebanon to the sea to Joppa according to the permission which they had uh, had from Cyrus, king of Persia. Now, if you remember Cyrus, in Isaiah 45, the Bible, God prophesies about, Isaiah, about Cyrus. Says Cyrus is going to rebuild my city. Another price or reward. So he is giving letters and providing funds for the people to rebuild the city, to rebuild the temple, to rebuild the walls. So God uses a heathen, a pagan, 
in other words, in other words, watch this. They're sowing into the kingdom, but they're reaping out of the world. And that's how it's supposed to work. When you sow in the kingdom, you don't have, you're not supposed to reap out of the kingdom. You reap out of the world. And so they're sowing, they're giving offering to God, and God is causing a pagan, heathen king to supply the resources they need. They're, they're, they're coming out of uh, exile, what we call the, the post-exilic people. And here they are coming back, and they've got to rebuild a temple. Now watch this, watch this. Verse 8, everybody say verse 8. Now in the second month of the second year of their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltel, Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and the rest of their brethren, the priests, and the Levites, and all those who had come out of captivity to Jerusalem, began work. Oh, yeah. They began work. Now what are they, what are they working on here? Now they're about to work on a temple. But the, it's just interesting that the Holy Ghost uses these little phrases, they began work. See, most of us, we, just, we were ready and just kept on going. No, I, wait, they began work. God wanted me to make, make sure I tell you that some, what, the reason why many of us can't do or can't achieve or can't reach is because we just won't start. Come on. I'll come on this side over here. Because they, they just, they just, you just won't begin. Because the, the task seems so daunting. The project seems so big. It seems so far off. The journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. And notice it says here, they began work. Tell your neighbor, it's time for you to begin. <laughs> Don't worry about the end, just begin. Don't worry about finishing, just, just think about starting. If you can get started, God will make sure you finish. And the issue is, is that most of us just won't, just won't get started, just won't begin. In, in Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 2, Deuteronomy 2, verse 31, I want you to read this, what God said to Moses. Deuteronomy 2, verse 31. And the Lord said to, said to me, that's to Moses, see, I have begun to give Sihon, that's a king, and his land over to you. But watch what God tells, tells Moses. Begin to possess it that you may inherit this land. He says, I've begun to give it to you, but I can't give it to you till you begin. Otherwise, God says, I've already worked everything out. I've already worked out every detail. I've already gone before you. I've already, already discomforted him, but you have to begin yourself. Turn over to James 2 real quick. Let me show you something. James 2. Hallelujah. Verse 14. James 2 verse 14. I want to talk to y'all faith people tonight. How many faith people do I have in here? James 2 verse 14. It says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he, have, he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Huh? No. no. Verse 17. Can you read verse 17 with me? Yes, sir. Read it, read. Thus also faith by itself, 
if it does not have works, is dead. So faith, if it does not have works, if it does not have actions, is dead. Now it's still faith. Oh, Jesus. I have some news for all you faith people. God is not moved by your faith. You ought to write that down, put it on your refrigerator. God is not moved by my faith. Because you can have faith and it be dead faith. So God is not moved by your faith. God is moved by your actions. Because actions is the proof of your faith. Faith without action, faith without works is dead being alone. So God's not moved. I have faith. Matter of fact, verse, verse 18, verse 18. But someone will say, some of y'all, some of y'all faith giants will say, oh, I have faith. So here's my response. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. So faith may be in your heart, but if it's not expressed through your actions, it's a dead faith and God ain't even hearing you. He doesn't respond. He's not moved. He sympathizes with you. He wants to, but he can't move till you move. We used to say it back in the old days, God helps those who help themselves. And us faith people, we kind of argue with that. But the reality of it is, God moves on those who move on themselves. If you don't move, God won't move. Glory to God. The Bible said in, in, uh, in the book of Luke, when there, there were these men that came to Jesus Christ, they, they brought a, a man who was crippled, climbed up on, on the rooftop, opened it up, lowered him down. The Bible says when Jesus saw... When he saw their faith. My question for you is, can God see your faith? Oh, God knows our faith. No, no, no. Can God see your faith? Because faith without action is dead. Oh, we're going to be thankful in a minute here. I'm thankful right now that I'm hearing this. Glory to God. Glory to God. Some of y'all, you just got to start something. Just start some action, man. Just get in some action. I'm believing God for a house. Well, start looking. I'm believing God for a car. Well, start looking. You got to put some action. Put some works out there. Begin to work. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I believe I'm healed. What's Start walking in. Try to start walking. Faith without works, without actions is dead. So the Bible is, is very explicit here back in Ezra when it says they began work. They began work. And the moment they begin work, God, all right. Okay. Provision starts to flow. Doors begin to open. Ways begin to be made. Because they begin work. 
tell your neighbor, go ahead and begin work. I mean, do what you can do now. Glory to God. See, what's happening is you're getting the process started. And when you get the process started, you already are successful. Pastor Kim told us this a couple Sundays ago, that success is not a destination, success is a journey. Well, you gotta start the journey. Glory to God. So they begin work. Your faith doesn't move God. It's your faith action that triggers a response from God. It's your faith action. What's your faith action? Glory to God. What's your faith action? What, what, are you, what, are you, what are you doing? I, oh, I, I'm confessing. I understand that, but confessing, that's words. What are you doing? Dad wrote a book, Apostle Derby wrote a book on called WAG, Words, Actions, Gifts. All three of them work together. <laughs> you give gifts. In other words, that's your seed, your offerings, you sow. But then there are words. You give your confession. You're speaking right, speaking right. But there are actions that you got to take. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, it's activation is what it is. Y'all got it? So now in verse 8, now in the second month of the second year of the coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtel, Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and the rest of their brethren, the, the priests and the Levites, and all those who had come out of the captivity to Jerusalem, began work and appointed the Levites from 20 years old and above to oversee the work of the house of the Lord. So the work has started. They've gone now from the altar to working on the house, working on the temple. Verse 9, then Jeshua with his sons and brothers, Cadmiel with his sons, the sons of Judah, arose as one to oversee the working on the house of God. The sons of Hinnadad with their sons and their brethren, the Levites. Now watch verse 10. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, The priests stood in their apparel with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively back and forth, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. What are they saying? For he is good, for he is good. And his, for his mercy endures forever toward Israel. Then all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord. Why? Because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Now, 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 now. They're praising God in the process. All they have so far is they've gone and dug out a foundation. 
and poured a, a foundation, laid a foundation, yes, and now they're going to stop and have a full-blown-out celebration service. Now, you got to understand this. Anybody know anything about construction? There's nothing glamorous about a foundation. Nothing beautiful to behold about a foundation. There's, there's nothing, nothing celebratory about a foundation. It's just a foundation. The foundation isn't what you're trying to build. The foundation is just going to hold what you build. But they're so excited about a foundation that they're going to have a full-blown praise service. <laughs> oh, my God. They're, they're, they're in the process. But they see progress. You got to remember, here they are. They remember 70 years of exile, 70 years in Babylonian captivity. And here we are now back in our own land. And although we don't have our temple yet, we have this foundation. And that foundation, it's not the end, but it represents a glorious new beginning. I may not have as much as I want to have, but I'm glad, I'm glad I have what I do have. I may not be all that I want to be, but I'm glad that I that I am what I am. I may not have come as far as I want to go, but I'm glad that I'm not where I was. I'm going to celebrate this foundation because this foundation means something good is happening. This foundation means something good has started. And the problem with many people in the body of Christ is that while we're on the journey, while we're in the process, we don't ever take time to celebrate our progress. And we spend more time sad and complaining and moping and griping because I don't have this yet. I don't have that yet. I haven't arrived here yet. I haven't don't have that yet. When you gotta look back at well, where has God already brought you, baby? Look what the Lord has done. So these folk had enough sense to stop. And celebrate. And you can imagine all the, all the other folk around them were looking at them. What they celebrating for? Is this a foundation? Well, you don't know what I've been through. You ain't been through my story. You don't have my testimony. This may not mean much to you, but I'm glad for this one bedroom apartment. This may not mean much to you, but I'm glad for this little hoopty, this little piece of car I got. If you don't celebrate the foundation And the devil's job Is to get you upset To get you mad To get you depressed To get you sad To get you weeping To get you 
moaning to get you moping about well I don't I don't know I don't I don't I don't and we and when, when is God and when is God and when is God when is God but what about what has already God I'm gonna praise you in the process I'm going to rejoice in the process. I'm on my way somewhere, but I'm going to praise you in the process. When David became king, David made up in his heart to go and get the Ark of the Covenant and bring it back into Israel, into the city of David. And when they, they heard that the Ark was down there in Obed-Edom's house on the second time, and David said, we got to go get it because they, they said, man, they blessing. God is blessing Obed-Edom's house, man. That ark, man, they, they are there. They be blessing them. David said, let's go get that thing and bring it down to the city of David. They went and got it. They hadn't, they hadn't made it six steps. Six, six steps from Obed-Edom's house. They haven't made it to Jerusalem. They have not made it to Hebron. They have not made it to the city of David. They just made it six steps. And David stops and goes into a full, all-out praise time. Because he's happy. I'm not there yet. It's not there yet. But we're on our way. So much that when he got back to town, his wife said, Look at you. Oh, undignified. In front of them, the maids, the handmaids. And he said, Girl, let me tell you something. I'm praising because God chose me over your father and his household and made me a king when I was a shepherd. And though I ain't been there yet, but I'm on my way. So I'm going to praise God even more than this. Never allow the devil to trap you in ingratitude. It's a dangerous place to be where you can't eke out a praise. We used to sing a song, look where he brought me from. He brought me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Look where he brought me from. I'm not where I ought to be, but I'm glad I'm not where I used to be. I'm telling you that you need to look and rejoice about your foundation. Some people, be, they be crying. Pastor, I don't know when am I going to get my breakthrough. I want my financial breakthrough. God is first letting you get a financial foundation. Because if you don't get the foundation down, the temple won't stand. So I got I to first celebrate my foundation. I got to let me finish here. Y'all sit down. Let me finish. 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 Lord, I thank you for my foundation. Verse 11 says, they sang responsibly, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever toward Jonathan. 
His mercy endures forever toward exceeding grace Christian Center. Then all the people shouted with a great shout. foundations you, you, you do know the, the, the foundation wasn't their goal as a matter of fact as a matter of fact if you understand it when they, when they finally will complete their goal the foundation will be swallowed up in the goal when they finally build a temple you'll never even see the foundation I'm telling you, the, the place you are in now, when God brings you to where he's taking you, you ain't even going to see that thing that you're in now. Oh, my God. That's good right there. You ain't going to see that. You ain't, you ain't, you ain't, oh, my goodness. Where you are now is going to get swallowed up. And what God is doing in your life. You better hear this preacher tonight. They rejoice because this foundation represented progress. It represents movement. Glory to God. Something called the law of progression. In Mark 4.28. About how when a man, verse 26, scatters seed on the ground. Verse 28, it says it comes up first the blade. Everybody say progression. progression. Other words, when you when you are sowing and when you are doing whatever the thing is that God has called you to do, besides just beyond sowing, anything you're doing, you, you don't you don't get the full manifestation at one time. You really couldn't handle it at one time. So it's first the blade. That means you gotta stop and celebrate when you see oh pray, oh I see something. I mean, your, your, your salary didn't double, but you got an extra, extra dollar. Oh, okay, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm just, all right, I'll take it out. I mean, it ain't, it ain't what I'm believing for, but I thank God. I sold. When I sold, I sold for more than that, but it's just, I thank God for the dollar. It's just, it's just a blade. It's a blade. When you believe in God to pay your debt off, I'm telling you, I learned that soon as when you, particularly you got credit cards or whatever accounts you got, and you paying them snowball or whatever, man, you pay off that one, but you celebrate. Ooh. It still might be two hundred thousand more, but I'm glad that that thousand gone right there. First the blade, then the head, then the full grain in the head. That means the, the manifestation comes in progressive stages. Yes, 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 it's a law of progression. Yes, 
so you got you gotta you gotta celebrate along the way. Come on now. Come on now. Y'all y'all know this is true. You know how I know. Think about uh, my, my family. We, we, we keep uh, my great nephew with us every day. And um, this is this, this how y'all do it with your babies, your little toddlers. When that little toddler takes his first step, you go crazy. You rejoice like he just won the Boston Marathon. Like he just came in first, got the gold medal in the 100 meter dash in the Olympics. And all he took was just one little, one little step. And you celebrate. You celebrate. Why? Because you know that that one step means he's on his way. So I want you to be able to turn that around on yourself. When you notice that one step, I'm on my way. I'm going to celebrate myself. I'm going to glorify God. I'm going to magnify God because he brought me one step further than where I was. Uh, All right. Okay. So you got to celebrate these milestones here. First the blade, then the head, then the full grain of the head. Now, back in Ezra, again, they celebrated because they had a foundation. Foundation is is a small thing here. But there's a scripture in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. I want you to see the Zechariah 4, verse 10. New King James Version says this. Zechariah 4, verse 10. For who has despised the day of small things? In other words, we like to say it this way. Don't despise the day small, small beginnings take place. Everything begins small. You better break out of that frustration here. Everything begins small. Everything begins small. One cell, one, one blade. Rain. Just one drop, just one trickle. Just, everything begins small. So don't despise the day of the small thing, the day of the small beginning. Give me that same verse in the Living Bible, please. Zechariah 4.10, 4, Zechariah 4, Living Bible. Watch this. Watch this. Verse 10. Do not despise this small beginning. For the eyes, watch watch this now. For the eyes of the Lord rejoice to see the work begin. Y'all, boy, boy, y'all missed that. He says, so don't you be frustrated when everything begins small because God is rejoicing when he sees you get started. When you take that first little step, God said, oh, that, that's my baby. That, that, that's my baby right there. That's my son right there. Oh, he's going to be an athlete. He's going to be a track athlete. He just took that one little wobbly step. Oh, look at you. 
You ever put him on the tee? Get him. Put, gonna put a football on his hand. Gonna put a baseball bat in his hand because oh, just one little step. For the eyes of the Lord rejoice to see the work begin. Now I'm gonna show you something here. How many of y'all have ever heard that scripture about small beginnings? Okay, how many of you ever heard in verse six? Verse six. <clears throat> Give me verse six in the, in the, okay, look verse six. You've heard not by might, not by power, but by my, by my spirit, says the Lord. I, in fact, I heard you praying it tonight before service, praying not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Now let's read this in context. Verse six. Then he said, this is God's message to, to who? Zerubbabel. Is that the same dude we talk about over here in Ezra? Oh. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. You will succeed because of my spirit, though you, the people, are few and weak. What? So he's prophetically talking about what we're reading about in Ezra. Yeah. Verse 7. Verse 7. Therefore, no mountain, however high, can stand before. Oh, put your name in there. I like that. Ain't no mountain too high. Ain't no valley too low to stand before you. For, watch this, it will, the mountain will flatten out before him. And, put your name in there, will finish building this temple. Oh my God. This is God putting his guarantee on it. If you just get started, I'm going to make sure you finish, not by your power, not by your might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I'm just waiting on you to get started. When you start, that's your act of faith. Then, then I know you're serious. Then I can help you out. Oh, I like that. He says, he says, you will finish. Tell, tell your neighbor, you're going to finish. God, he's the author and the finisher. Watch, but watch this. You will finish building this temple with mighty shouts of thanksgiving. You're going to finish it with shouts of thanksgiving. He didn't say after you finish, you're going to have shouts of thanksgiving. He said you will finish it with shouts of thanksgiving. Not after it's finished, you're going to finish it with shouts. Your thanksgiving is going to help you finish it. God Almighty. Your praise is going to power you to the finish. Your worship is going to power you to the finish. Your worship is going to help you finish what you started because God is going to respond to your worship and your praise. You will finish. That's why you can't sit here with a face drawn up like a prune and a lemon face because you, you are going to be stuck with unfinished business. 
But if you can break out of that mode, God, I'm going to give you thanks for right here where I am. I'm going to get something started and I'm going to thank you every step of the way. Every six steps if I have to, I'm going to give you praise. I'm going to celebrate every milestone. I'm going to celebrate the first window. I'm going to celebrate the first, the first the second window. I'm going to celebrate the roof. I'm going to celebrate the grounds. I'm going to celebrate the plants. I'm going to celebrate it. I'm going to celebrate everything you do in my life. Hallelujah! I'm going to celebrate one salvation tonight. You're going to finish with mighty shouts of thanksgiving for God's mercy, declaring that all was done by grace alone. Verse 8, verse 8. Another message that I received from the Lord said, We're talking about the book of Ezra here. Zerubbabel laid the foundation of this temple, and he will complete it. Y'all, y'all got to get it. If you lay the foundation, he going to make sure you complete it. That's why I tell you just go and get started. Just do, do, do the foundation. We, we call that groundwork. Go ahead and do the groundwork. And I'm going to make sure that what you started, you complete. He laid the foundation. And he will complete it. Then you will know that these, no, these messages are from God, the Lord Almighty. Verse 10, do not despise. What small beginning? That foundation. Now you understand what it's talking about here? Don't despise this foundation for that is the Lord rejoice to see the work begin. To see the plumb line. How many of y'all understand what a plumb line is? A plumb line is what, what that, that carpenter or that mason uses. He put, puts a little metal on a string that, that helps him to get that, make sure everything is straight. Plumb and level. When you build a building, you don't want walls leaning. You don't want anything leaning. It's got to be plumb and level. He holds it to make sure everything is straight in order. God rejoices. So God got excited, it says, to see the plumb line in his hand. Y'all missed that. God got excited to see Zerubbabel pick up a tool. The plumb line was just to show them where to start digging. That's before they dug the first scoop of dirt. When he, when he pulled the plumb line out, he said, oh. Y'all missed that. Oh. God rejoice to see the plumb line come out. God gets excited when you take your first pencil out. Whatever God is putting your heart to do when you take the first little tool, the first little thing out. He gets excited because he knows you're getting started. And once you get started, he can get behind you and start pushing you. <laughs> For these seven lamps represent the eyes of the Lord that see everywhere around the world. So if you get started, God will make sure you finish. All right, let me finish here. Let me finish here. Tell your neighbor, get started. Get started. <laughs> God's going to make sure you finish. God's going to make sure you finish. He's going to make sure you finish.
your action is a representation of your faith. Your action is going to move God. And you're going to, when you start, you're going to finish with, with praise. Oh. That's what, that's what happened with Abraham. When you read Romans chapter 4. Abraham did not stagger in the promise of God. The Bible says he was strong or strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. So the more he praised God, the stronger he got to the finish. Glory to God. Well, your praise is your, it's your weapon. It's your power pellet. <laughs> Remember, I used to, boy, I, I told my wife the other day, I, I used to take a, Couple quarters and play Miss Pac Man all day long. Dollar worth of quarters, boy, I can play Miss Pac Man all day long. You play, play Miss Pac Man, you Miss Pac Man moving at this rate. Walker, 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 walker. But she messed around and ate one of them power pellets. Also, she started, she started moving. Your praise is your power pellet that you start out like this, but if you're ready to kick off, get your praise going. And the ghosts that were chasing you start running from you. All right, let's go back here. Ezra, let's finish right here. Ezra 3. Again, verse 11. Verse 11. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Now watch verse 12. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the father's houses, old men who had seen the first temple. These were 70 plus men. They wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes. In the middle of all this praise and worship, somebody's sitting there crying. Y'all, I'm just telling you, this is what it says here. All this rejoicing going on. And somebody sitting there, it ain't going like that. I don't get nothing to praise me. And they're weeping loudly. Why? Because it says there, they saw the first temple. So they can't rejoice over what's coming because they're weeping over what was. And too many folk are weeping over what was. Stuck in yesterday's glory. Stuck in yesterday's testimony. And can't even see what God is doing in their life today. And they won't rejoice while you're rejoicing. And it's frustrating. Weeping over the old temple. Hey, baby, the old temple gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It was nice, but it's gone. Sure, okay, it would have been nice to come back and everything was here, but it's gone. So what are we going to do? Keep crying over that? Or are we going to get down here and dig this foundation? 
Oh, we're going to get down here and start putting some walls up. Yeah. Running some studs around this piece here. Yeah. So we can get us a new one here. Yeah. We ain't got time to be weeping over nothing else over there. Yeah. Something already passed a long time ago. Yeah. Tell your neighbor, get over it. Get over all your old glory. Get over why I used to have this. And I, at least when I, back when I was in the world, at least I used to, I used to, I used to eat me a steak. Back when I was in the world, I used to have, back when I was in the world, yeah, back, back when they was in Egypt, they had leeks and onions and. Get over it. That's what was. And while you're looking back at what was, you're going to miss out on what is and what is coming. It's coming your way. Hey. Can I prove it to you? Go to the book of Haggai. Haggai is writing about the same time. Haggai chapter 2. See, it's all about your perspective. Some folk can't praise and rejoice because they still pining over yesterday. All my troubles seem so far. Hey, cry your last tear yesterday, baby, because it's a whole new day. There's a whole new glory. There's a whole new manifestation. There's a whole new completion. There's a whole new building. There's a whole new thing. There's a whole new life. There's a whole new marriage. There's a whole new family. There's a whole new. There's a whole. There's a whole new. There's a whole. Everything coming your way. Got time to be thinking about yesterday. Haggai chapter 2, verse 1. Can I start you right at verse 1? Y'all got time for this? Verse 1 In the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to who? Is this the same guy or what? The son of Shiltiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, watch verse 3. Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? It's those old men crying, weeping over the first temple. He said, who among you saw it in its former glory? Watch this. And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes? It's nothing. In other words, he says, yeah, I understand. Solomon built something very glorious. And what you see now is nothing compared to that. That's why y'all stand here crying. Well, what I have now, at least back when I had, we had that, man, we had this, and then all this is gone. He said, he said so I understand it's nothing. But I'm not done. Verse 4, yet now be strong, Jonathan, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Oh, watch this verse 6. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while 
I'm about to shake up heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And, and, and I, I got to fix that because the King James says it more, says it better. It really should read and the desire of all nations shall come to them. Because he says, I'm going to shake up all of heaven and earth. He says, and I will fill this temple with glory. Says the Lord of hosts. Watch verse eight. Watch verse eight. The silver is mine. And the gold is mine. Says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple. While you're crying about what you used to have. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former. Says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace. Says the Lord of hosts. What you saw is going to be nothing compared to what you're about to see. So stop your crying. Dry your eyes. Get you a praise. Get you a shout. Get you some worship because I'm about to take you to something that you ain't never seen before. What you had was nice, but you ain't never seen nothing like this before. What you were was good, but you ain't never seen nothing like this before. So I want to say tonight to all the weepers, dry your eyes. But I want to say to all the shouters, lift up your voice like a trumpet in Zion. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Drown out the weeping. Drown out the crying. Drown out the sorrow. Drown out the pessimist. Let the optimist voice be lifted on high tonight. For God shall reveal his glory much greater than you've ever known, than you've ever seen, than you've ever had. It's coming your way not many days from now. Somebody tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, this is just the beginning. I'm just getting started. Matter of fact, go, go get on them. Tell them I'm just getting crunk. I'm just. I ain't there yet, but I'm on my way. I ain't got it all yet, but I'm on my way. I ain't manifested everything yet, but I'm on my way. I don't have the food as yet, but I'm on my way. But I'm going to celebrate on my way. I'm going to rejoice on my way. I'm going to dance on my way. I'm going to shout on my way. I'm going to praise God in the process. I'm not going to wait till the battle's over. I'm not going to wait till it's fully manifested. I'm going to praise God right now because I know it's not by my power, it's not by my might, but it's by his spirit. I'm going to finish what I started because God is with me. Now give God a big shout of praise tonight. That's all the time I got.
The bad thing for the elders, the old men, was that they had the experience and the memories of something in the past. And they clung to that. But there's other one, hey, we, we ain't seen that. We, had, we, had, we don't know nothing about that. We're not tied to that. We, 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 we is going, whatever God told us to do, we are just going to do what God told us to do because we ain't tired of that. But God comes along and Haggai and said, I see y'all crying. I tell you what, when this new temple gets finished, it's going to be much more glorious than that old relic y'all thinking about. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. The first temple that they built, Solomon built, and David and all those ones that contributed to it, the money all came from them. This next one, he made the enemy pay for it. He making the enemy pay for it. What you crying over, you spent all your money on, I don't have it no more? Don't worry about that. God will make the heathen pay for your new one. <laughs> That's just how good God is. That's just how big he is. You, you, well, I don't have the money to finish. Well, that's fine. He'll make the heathen pay for it. Thank you, Lord. Don't limit God. Don't limit God to your old experience. Don't remember the former things. Neither consider the things of old. God said, I'm going to do a new thing. I'm telling you, your thanksgiving is going to power you to the finish. Take time and look at where you are. God, I thank you for where I am. I thank you. The old men were mourning the absence of a temple while the younger ones were celebrating the presence of a foundation. It's all perspective. It's all perspective. How do you see it? They celebrate it. I want you to celebrate what you have. And the yes, devil sir. keeps trying to come to you and tell you, well, you don't have this and you don't have that. And when that's going to happen, then shut up. Let me, let me pull out what I do have. Let me show you what God has already done for me. And then get on down the road. And when you praise God and give God thanks all the time, he responds to your gratitude with more grace. More grace. The Bible says he resists the proud. He gives grace, power to the humble. So stay humble. Be thankful. Be thankful. Don't be high-minded. Be thankful for everything you have. And God continue to, to bless you and increase you more and more. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you tonight for the word. Thank you tonight, Lord, for our foundations. <laughs> thank you for the progress that we're making in our process. Thank you, Lord, that you have 
given us uh, great hope and expectation. Big dreams, big desires, big things you've placed in our hearts, oh God. They're from you. And God, we tonight resist the frustration and get rid of, rid of the frustration of, um, of, of that, the, the places where we've not manifested things. And God, we move over into a celebration of what you've already done, what we've already seen. We celebrate the blades in our lives. Though we may not have a full grain of the head, we celebrate the blades. We celebrate the foundations that have been established in our lives. Thank you, Father, that you've set us on a rock. And uh, we just appreciate knowing that you're the one, you're the author and the finisher of our faith. And what we have begun, you will give us the power to finish. And we will finish strong because we'll stay in thanksgiving all the time, all the time, all the time. Now I pray, Father, tonight that you'll help us with our perspective. Anyone who finds himself weeping, that God, you'll help them to not look back on what was, to pine over what used to be, but to celebrate in expectation of what is to come. That Lord, our hope and our desire will continue to grow in us every day. Thank you that God, your word even says hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. Thank you that desires are coming and we realize, recognize that they're coming, it's even coming in stages. Coming in a progressive way. We take time to celebrate all those things each and every step of the way. Now, Father, I pray that you just continue to strengthen us with might and help us, God, to, to, to uh, steady the course, to be steady and steadfast on this course and we'll not look back. We'll continue to go forward that you may fulfill your purpose and your promises in our lives. We thank you in advance for it. We give you all the praise tonight and all the glory and all the honor. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, come on, stand to your feet and give God a great hand of praise tonight. My goodness. My goodness, my goodness, my goodness. Praising God in the process. It's critical, it's key. You can do it. And I believe you will do it. Amen. Amen. Our prayer is every one of you would just continue to enjoy uh, this as we've entered the holiday season. Uh, people are already getting ready for Christmas. They've been getting ready for Christmas since September. Um, so just take, them, take it slow. Now take it slow. Um, so just enjoy this week. Um, Pastor Kim mentioned about uh, turkeys and so forth. I was contacted by another pastor. They have uh, extra turkeys available. If anybody, you still are in need of a turkey, please send me after service and I can get you pointed in the right direction to get a turkey for Thursday. All right. Hopefully uh, they're, they're start thawing them. I'm not sure because it takes a little minute to thaw a turkey out, don't it? So you have to get it like first thing in the morning, you know, and take care of it, so on and so forth. But I think there are about 15 available that I know of at the last update that I checked on. Uh, so let us know. Also, don't forget, again, we're continuing to pray for uh, Sister Anissa, Anissa, Anissa Miller and Jada. Uh, her mother uh, moved to heaven the other day, and so we're praying for her and uh, Jada, their strength, their entire family. For them, also praying for the Lemon family. Uh, it's, it's Tashiana, 
uh, Lemon moved to heaven on last Thursday and uh, her funeral service celebration will be on this coming Saturday at noon over at Word of Life Fellowship. They're, they're going to host there's a larger facility, so we'll be there. Uh, they're extremely large family, so uh, we'll be there at noon for that celebration. The uh, service or the doors will open at 11 for, uh, uh, I think there's a viewing, I'm not sure, but they'll be there at 11 o'clock, but the service will begin at noon. I believe the choir is singing, is that right? Something like that. And so uh, ushers, all that kind of good stuff are ministering that day, so make sure you're there for that. And then come Sunday, we'll be back here. And we're going to continue talking about the Divine Nine Part Two yes. on Sunday. Amen. Yes. Praise the Lord. Grab hands somebody next to you. Let's be dismissed. And uh, parents, don't forget your children. <laughs> don't leave them here. They will be locked outside. All right. Father God, thank, thank you, you once again. We love you and we appreciate you. I pray that each of us, as we leave from, from this place tonight, would walk in your glory, walk in your power, walk in your love all the days of our lives. I, pr I pray that, God, you, we'd even uh, walk in the spirit Ooh, yes. all the days of our lives, oh God. I pray that we will be lights in the midst of darkness, God, and people will see us and be drawn to us, and we will point people to Jesus Christ and glorify you all the days of our lives. I pray that, Lord, we'll find our homes and our families, everything in order, nothing amiss. And I pray, Father, that everyone will have an enjoyable Thanksgiving uh, celebration with their families. I pray this entire week will be smooth. Bring us back this weekend, Father, and we'll continue to give you praise and glory and the honor of all things we do pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 We love you. God bless you. Have a great night. Happy Thanksgiving to you. We'll see you this weekend. Come on, sit.